is the third person of the Trinity, and what does the Holy Spirit do? God's Word tells us that when we have faith in Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He comforts us in our trials. The Holy Spirit has all the attributes of a person. He speaks, forgives, comforts, intercedes, consoles, and brings us faith. He also teaches us all things. Through Him, Christ Jesus gives spiritual gifts to believers. What a joy and comfort to know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Paul tells us that when we are too weak or depressed to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to the Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit helps us witness for Christ. He gives us the words we need. He helps us glorify the Son of God, and He fills us with His words so we can speak boldly for Christ. So why do we need to learn about the Holy Spirit? Family Shield Ministries is in the process of expanding its mentoring missionary services. Through our mentoring process with those who do not know Christ, we utilize our Bible studies and podcasts as we equip people for Christ. We have many Bible studies and podcasts like Learning About God and His Word, It's All About Jesus, but we realize we did not have a podcast that teaches about the Holy Spirit. So today we want to talk about the third person of the Trinity. My guest is Chad Bird. He's a scholar in residence at 1517 and has served as a pastor, professor, and guest lecturer in Old Testament and Hebrew. He holds master's degrees from Concordia Seminary and Hebrew Union College and has authored numerous books. Chad and his wife, Stacy live in Texas Hill Country. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Chad, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Yeah, well, thank you, Kay, for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Great, so do I. So let's talk about the Trinity just for a minute. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one God. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Explain why the word one in this verse shows unity. Yeah, so what you have throughout the Old Testament really is a presentation of one God, that's where we get our word monotheism from, so one God, and yet this one God is not what we might think of as kind of a, a, a Unitarian being. Instead, this one God is three persons, so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see this throughout the Old Testament manifested in a number of different ways. We see it already in, in the opening verses, in fact, of, of creation, where we have God the Father creating the heavens and the earth, and he does this by means of his word, which is another another designation for the Son of God. And then already in the second verse of Genesis, we have the appearance of the Spirit of God, who is hovering over the face of the waters. So one God, one Godhead, and there are three persons uh, within, within this one Godhead. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Used, we have different language in the Old and New Testament to, to designate the three persons, but uh, these three persons are the one God who creates us, redeems us, and sanctifies us, makes us holy. Very good, and I wish we had more time, and maybe we will get to a little more about the Trinity. But today we want to focus on the Holy Spirit. So tell us a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. 
Well, let's go back to the verse I just mentioned, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. I think it's significant because it demonstrates that already from the very beginning, when God speaks creation into existence, here we have the heavens and the earth, and at that point, nothing has been kind of brought into organization yet. There's not even light yet. And the Spirit is present. The Spirit is actually... In, in Hebrew, the verb there for him hovering over the face of the waters is a word that's used in other contexts to refer to a kind of a bird-like motion, kind of a fluttering of the wings. So the Holy Spirit is already, in the second verse of the Bible, connected with a, a, a bird-like appearance, and that's important because later on, at the baptism of Jesus, for instance, the Holy Spirit will appear in the form of a dove. But the Holy Spirit is there at creation because the Holy Spirit is not, as it were, something that kind of evolved from God or came into existence later on as if God were changing or something. God has always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so at creation, the Spirit is there forming and bringing organization to creation. And the fact that the Spirit is there at creation is also then an indication that He's always going to be in this world, and the Father is going to use the Spirit to bring order out of chaos, to bring light into darkness, to be active within not just creation in general, but also within the life of humanity, our lives, to work to work His will. Very good. Good. So it's a fact. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let me just give you a few um, words that help us understand that, and then I'll ask some specific questions. The Holy Spirit speaks or calls. The Holy Spirit hears. He is our teacher. He teaches. He counsels. He forbids. He may be grieved, and he intercedes. So why is it important that we understand the Holy Spirit is a person? Yeah, I think it's important uh, because sometimes even Christians kind of get the impression that the Holy Spirit is sort of a, maybe just kind of a force, we might say, uh -huh. kind of a Star Wars thing, or uh, just kind of a an impersonal power, we might say, or maybe even just kind of part of God, like it's God's power or God's presence, uh, but not a specific person. So I'm glad you cited those particular verbs that are connected with the work of the Spirit, because those verbs are connected with a, a person. Uh -huh. So this isn't just kind of a an amorphous force that's out there, some kind of uh, undesignated, impersonal, divine force. No, the Holy Spirit is just as much a person of the Trinity as the Father and the Son are. That's great. So let's just focus for a minute on the Holy Spirit as our teacher. John fourteen twenty six says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Um, one of the things that we do as we witness to people uh, is to help them understand God's Word. And often, I know my husband came home recently, he had witnessed to someone at the store, and he said, I, the, the person he was talking to, I've tried to read the Bible, but I didn't understand it. And Chad, my husband's name is Chad too, <laughs> said, <laughs> well, did you pray first before you read the Bible? And the man said, no. And um, so that was just part of their conversation. But we do, as Christians, when we're trying to witness, help people understand that the Holy Spirit teaches us, 
but we should be praying and asking God to help us understand his word. And uh, so talk for a minute more about the Holy Spirit as our teacher and why that's so important. Yeah, that's actually a, a great, great point to make with regard to the Word of God. You know, suppose that uh, you were reading a book, and uh, you just happened to have a chance to sit down with the author of that book, and there were some questions that you had about the book, some things that, you know, just weren't clear to you. Well, what a great opportunity to actually talk to the author and get direct feedback from him or her. It's kind of like that with the study of the Scriptures. Uh, so, of course, the, the Bible is really a library of books. There's a whole lot of individual books in it by different authors, Paul and Moses and David and, and, and whatnot. But the Holy Spirit is the true divine author behind all of these. So when we, when we talk to the Holy Spirit, when we pray to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help us to study the Word, we're actually talking to the author himself. We're mm-hmm. saying, help us, Holy Spirit, to understand the words that you have inspired through all of these human authors. And he will answer that prayer. He will in, open our, our minds and our hearts and our eyes to understand that which is being communicated. It doesn't mean that we're going to have all the answers or that, that everything will automatically all of a sudden become crystal clear to us, but it will mean the Holy Spirit will guide us, he will teach us, and he will do this by means of that very Word. The Word is God's gift to us, whereby we don't, we don't have to wonder what who God is or wonder what His will is for us. He's actually given us this book, this collection of individual books in the Bible, so that through that the Holy Spirit might teach us who we are, who God is, and then what God's desire, what His, what his loving will is for, for our lives as His children. Absolutely. So let's talk for a minute then about the Holy Spirit as our Consular. John fourteen sixteen and 17 says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another Consular to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Now, we sometimes as Christians, or maybe even those that aren't Christians, go to a Consular to help them process things. We're in the middle of planning a program on loneliness with a Christian Consular. Um, how does the Holy Spirit act as our counselor? Well, what the Holy Spirit does with regard to comforting and counseling is He is always going to, to get back to what we were just talking about, He's always going to direct us to the Word, the Word by which God speaks to us. But He's also going to be the one that constantly pulls us to Jesus Christ. So Jesus, of course, is speaking in John chapter 14. And he's saying that he will ask the Father, and the Father will give you this comforter, this helper, this counselor to be with you. And what he's going to do, the Holy Spirit, is he's going to always be bringing us to Christ. Because, of course, it's in Christ that we have that true comfort in knowing that we are the children of God, in knowing that through Christ we have been brought into the family of God, and that through Christ we have forgiveness of sins and life and salvation. So just like a, uh, a counselor that we might go to is going to help us through issues and eventually, hopefully, bring us to the point of being comforted and of realizing the truth that's going to help us. The Holy Spirit does that, too. But specifically, He does that by bringing us into this relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ, and, of course, the Father as well, so that we might actually rest, might find comfort in Christ, to which the Spirit brings us. 
Good, good. So let's talk for a minute about the fact that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us in prayer. I love this. Paul tells us that when we are too weak or depressed to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to the Heavenly Father from Romans 8, 26 and 27. Often we are so depressed or weak that we don't know what to pray. And uh, people like that verse, but I don't know that they understand what it says or what it means. Can you just uh, help us understand that and how the Holy Spirit would intercede for us? Yeah, you know, uh, many people have gone through extremely traumatic experiences where it's really hard to translate that experience or the emotions that resulted from it into language. They're almost deprived of the ability to verbalize what they've gone through. This is not unusual for for victims of some kind of traumatic experience. And I think something parallel to that is something that that we ourselves experience. Maybe we've gone through a period of of, of great trial or loss or loneliness or deprivation or grief or whatever the weakness is. And it's hard for us to pray. It's hard for us actually to translate our emotions, our needs, our our fears into words. And Paul says the Spirit helps us in those times of weaknesses, because not only do we not know what to pray, but often we don't even know why we should pray or what we should say or what words to use. And so the Spirit within us, He prays for us. It's a It's a, such a comforting picture to know that God is praying for us. The Spirit is praying to the Father for us, interceding for us with these groans that are too deep for even human language. Super. Yeah, that's great. Let me make a few announcements, and then uh, we'll come back and continue talking about the Holy Spirit. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 stations throughout the United States. We also produce a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to and receive on your computer or cell phone. This week, we're giving away the Family Shield booklet, How to Share Our Faith in Daily Life. To receive this complimentary booklet, call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. We encourage you to sign up to receive our complimentary email newsletter on our website and also connect with us through Facebook. As a listener-supported ministry, your prayers and financial support are critical. Please consider a financial gift to support Family Shield. Your support allows us to continue to share the saving gospel message with listeners through this program in your community. Send gifts to Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. Another way listeners can support the ministry if they are Thrivent Financial members, is to designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836, and one of their employees will help you. Now I want to go back to our program. My guest is Chad Bird, our topic, The Holy Spirit. So we talked about prayer and that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I just want to mention, we probably won't talk a lot about that, but 
Jesus speaks a lot about the relationship between the Father himself and the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. And we don't have time to go into a lot of that. But a lot of times people read that and don't understand it. Just keep reading it. Read it over and over. The uh, And the other thing that we uh, often hear is the, uh, the book of Acts. Uh, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, but some people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And as we read that, I remember I wrote a Bible study many years ago relying on God's power to witness. And one of the things we did uh, through that very long Bible study, way too long, I know people tell me that, is we read through the book of Acts. So, you know, I did that study for seven, eight years, and I just kept learning more and more because, Chad, in our church, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, we don't read through the book of Acts like we do, you know, we read the epistle and the gospel and and the Old Testament, but we don't do that in the church. So I think sometimes people don't spend as much time in Acts as they should. Any comments yeah, about I, that? Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think uh, maybe during the Easter season, uh, the reading is from Acts, but it's a, it's a relatively brief exposure to this book that's just, yeah, found foundational for an understanding of the New Testament church. Yeah, really. And it is the history, the early history of the church, is it not? Yeah, yes, it is. It is. So it picks up immediately at the uh, ascension of Jesus, so 40 days after after Christ was resurrected. That's how it begins. And then it proceeds from there to 10 days later to Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then it documents how through apostles like Peter and then later Paul, the gospel began to spread, just like Jesus said it would, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to all of the Greco-Roman world at the time. Yeah, that's great. Let me just read a couple more of these verses. Um, He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you, John 14, 16, and 17. Why can't the world receive the Holy Spirit? Well, the the basic answer is because the world is not interested in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spirit testifies of truth and of light and of God, and the world in which we live is filled full of darkness and falsehood and the presence of the evil one. And so we do live in the midst of a battlefield every day in which the dark forces of untruth are trying their best to keep the world, to keep people outside of Christ from learning of Him, to keep them trapped in darkness. Hmm. So the work of the Spirit is to take the gospel, take that good news of our forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and to dispel the darkness, to bring light to people who are trapped in, in the darkness. And But until the second coming of Christ, there is always going to be kind of this antagonism between the kingdom of God, and then the kingdom of this world, which will not receive the Spirit. Yes. So let's move to a different topic. Why do some Christians call the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity? Yeah, it's an interesting designation. Uh, They call him that because the Holy Spirit, and I alluded to this earlier, the, the Holy Spirit is not so much interested in talking about the Holy Spirit as much as talking about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the work of the Spirit is to take the message of Christ 
and to use that to plant faith in the hearts of those who are listening to the gospel. And this gospel is all about the life and death and resurrection of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is pointing people to Jesus, leading people to Jesus, telling people about Jesus. And so for that reason, he's often referred to as the shy member of the Trinity, just in the sense of his focus is not upon himself, but instead upon the Son of God who has won our salvation. So the Spirit is always then leading us into this connection, this saving connection with the Son of God. Good. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but there are some uh, churches, denominations in the body of Christ that uh, have a different view of the Holy Spirit. Um, we usually call those charismatic churches. And and they focus much more on the Holy Spirit than maybe we do. Uh, can you just share a little bit about that? They're part of the body of Christ. They're there are our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we don't always agree on everything. Uh, just touch on that a little bit for us. Yeah, so uh, the churches that are charismatic in nature uh, will talk quite a bit about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the book of Acts, as well as 1 Corinthians, for instance, uh, one of Paul's letters, does talk about the spiritual gifts, uh, such as prophecies such as healing, such as speaking in tongues that happened in the life of the early church. And so charismatic churches will often uh, still have the presence of these gifts in them, and so they will talk about speaking in tongues or healings or prophecies or, or whatever whatever it might be that characterizes that particular church. So charismatic churches tend to focus a lot on these gifts of the Spirit, which are documented for us in, in the New Testament. Uh, we we would, as Lutherans, we would tend to to take that focus off of those those gifts that characterize the New Testament church and shift the focus to well, what Paul talks about in First Corinthians thirteen the the greatest of these gifts of the Spirit is love, and how that love is manifested in the vocations to which Christ has called us as we live out our lives in service to Him and to the neighbor. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. There is some differences there, um, and uh, but they are still our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to love. Yes. Love covers a multitude of uh, sins, and uh, not saying those are sins, but just that we need to love. Love is what uh, Christ is all about. So the Holy Spirit wants us to glorify Christ. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you, John sixteen fourteen. How do we glorify Christ? Well, we glorify Christ in a couple different ways. We can glorify Him directly in the sense of praising Him, thanking Him, living our lives as a reflection of what He has done for us. And so to give glory to the Father is to acknowledge that everything that we have received is from Him, that He gives and we receive and the means by which he gives us these gifts is the Spirit of God. And then we can glorify him also in the manner we were talking about with 1 Corinthians 13, as we, as we are the, the conduit through which the Spirit is at work in this world to express love and service toward those that the, the Spirit has placed in our lives. 
So our our spiritual work can often appear quite ordinary. It's simply parents taking care of children, spouses taking care of each other, workers being faithful in their in their occupations. That is spiritual work in the sense that the Spirit has come to dwell within us as His temples, and then works through us to extend the the love of God to those who are around us. Very good. So John seventeen three says, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Um, since the Holy Spirit wants us to point people to Christ, it seems appropriate that as we um, continue, and I don't know how much time we have left, but a little bit of time to share that saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. Talk about that verse. Yeah, so this is eternal life, that they may know you, Jesus says, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So to to talk about the good news is not to talk about something that's abstract or simply a message, but it's really to talk about the person of Jesus Christ. So when Christians are speaking the gospel or teaching the gospel or preaching the gospel, we're really talking about the person of Christ, because it's in Him and in Him alone that we have the peace and the forgiveness and the life and the salvation that God desires for us. And all of us know, in one way or another, that we are insufficient in and of ourselves, that we are not enough, that there's always problems with us, there's struggles that we have, there's weaknesses that we have, and so there's no way that we can get ourselves to where we all really desire to be. And what Christ does is He comes into our world, and He lives that perfect life. He is more than enough, and He offers up His own life in exchange for ours, and then is resurrected so that as we are joined to Him, we actually become the people that God desires us to be. And and thanks be to God, we even become the people that we want to be in Christ, so that our, our whole identity is found in Him. So Christ brings us to the family of God. We're adopted by God, we are forgiven by Him, and we find that peace that passes understanding, the peace that people are looking for in this world, but they can't really find it unless they find it in Christ. And He gives us that undying piece of knowing that the Father, when He sees us, loves us, accepts us, and makes us His own. Very good. Thank you so much. My guest has been Chad Bird, and uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. So much more to share. I do encourage our listeners to to read John 14, 15, 16, and 17, and read through the book of Acts. Uh, lots of things that you will learn. Um, I just want to mention as we close that the Trinity— Uh, properly is called God, whether separately or collectively. They are not three separate gods, but one eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. Learn more about us, www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. 
and tune in again next week for Family Shield. 